This week on Inside Motorsport, Matthew Brabham and Eugene Arocca. I hope you'll stay with us. Matthew Brabham, already into March of 2016 and the month of May not too far away. How is the anticipation? Uh, it's, it's building, that's for sure. Um, you know, it's definitely, it's definitely getting close. I think it's uh, uh, you know, 86, 85 days to, to go to the Indy 500, so I'm not counting down or anything. But uh, yeah, just really looking forward to it. I mean, it's, it's going to be flat out when I get off the plane from you know, here straight to, to St. Petersburg for the first race, the Indy cars, and I'll be on the pit stand getting every bit of knowledge I can for the race. How have you been able to manage the training, to manage yourself to get ready, knowing that you've got two races? right in the middle of the IndyCar season. Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely, I've definitely been working hard over the off-season. You know, there hasn't been really one moment of rest. I've been training every day, but and also at the end of the day, I've been uh, you know, training for this moment my whole life. Um, you know, ever since I got to America and ever since I started racing go-karts in Australia when I was seven. So, you know, I'm just, uh, you know, getting ready, getting prepared. And, you know, I think I'm going to be, you know, in shape and ready to go for the month of May. You know, Jim Leo, at PitFit has been getting me up to speed and uh, you know I'm not far away from those guys that you know race full time so you know I think I'll be ready and uh, yeah I just can't wait to get on track. What's a week look like? Um, you train every single day in the mornings in uh, and then you know just light stuff in the afternoons it's just all about getting you know physically ready um, you know fitness you know strength you know the biggest things for me is, is my neck muscles and you know my forearms so there's no power steering on an Indy car, which you know a lot of people don't realize. So to steer an Indy car around a track takes you know way more effort than a Formula One car because they got power steering and, and you know nice fancy things for them. So yeah, it's just it's just just tough to tough to manhandle one of those Indy cars around. So yeah, just working hard. So how do you translate stadium super trucks, which you've had a dalliance in, to an Indy car? Yeah, it's it's completely different. Um, you know, I think the Indy cars, you know, not going to be getting that much air, hopefully, and uh, yeah, it's going to be a lot more stable as I go through the corners. So, yeah, I just can't wait for the for you know to get into you know a car with downforce and and have a good crack at it. Um, yeah, the Stephen Super Trucks is so much fun and like it's been incredible this weekend going over jumps and stuff. But yeah, I just definitely have to kind of you know switch my mindset to being smooth and fast and and uh, yeah, not getting in the air or being rough and jumping over curbs. And of course, uh, so much in the build-up, trying to you know promote Pertec Team Murray and get the name out there, and also trying to help with the, getting the funding needed to make sure it's a successful campaign. Is absolutely yeah, that's taken up pretty much you know all my spare time. And you know I know Crusher, Brett Murray has been spending all his time and you know late nights and early mornings on getting the program together. So I think we're, we're all pretty proud of how it's, it's coming together. You know Pertec Team Murray. You know, on the month of May is going to be, you know, one of the standout teams for sure. You know, on the media side of things, we've got great programs, you know, with the Chris Carl Frog Foundation and, and Taya Kyle. It's uh, it's a pretty cool program we've got and there's some great things planned. And I, and I can't wait to get in and, and start showing the world and showing the U.S. what, what we got with, with Pertec and Team Murray. Well, we're looking forward to seeing how it all progresses as we build up Tandy. Thank you very much. Cheers. Well, Eugene Rocker is the head of CAMS in Australia and as the head of the peak motorsport body in this country, it's a, a very interesting time to talk to you as we've seen the Grand Prix coming back to Melbourne very soon and part of that is the recognition of some of Australia's great drivers but not only in the disciplines that CAMS manages and, and looks after but right across the whole gamut of Australian sport, uh, motorsport. Oh, look, it, it struck me as somewhat... Um surprising that a sport that's so entrenched in our culture didn't have a hall of fame i come from another industry i came from another industry where the hall of fame was the best night on the calendar where all the old legends and champions would come out and without a doubt 
um, in my four years or five years at the Kangaroos, um, the Hall of Fame was the highlight night. Um, and you couldn't get a ticket. You're really hard to get into. So it really struck me as um, almost embarrassing, to put it bluntly, that there was no Hall of Fame for motorsport, including the motorbikes and the other various disciplines. So we spoke internally about that. And um, as it always happens, when you actually ask the question, and most people come back and say, yeah, it's a great idea. And so I'm particularly proud that CAMS has pushed the initiative. I think it's long overdue. Um, it's sad that Sir Jack has passed and he hasn't had the opportunity of being inducted while he was alive, but it means for us that we've got to get this thing going on the 19th of March, induct about 30 people, there's another 30 for next year, and then have a regular uh, annual event um, embedded probably in the CAMS National Awards where we'll recognise one, two or three um, future champions. But again, I think um, I often comment about motorsport being a very unique sport compared to many of the other sports in this country and no other sport at this level has not got a Hall of Fame so I'm glad and proud that we've done it and I'm a little bit um, surprised that it didn't happen earlier but it should be a great, it will be a great night. It's so fragmented, there is the road racing, off-road off racing fraternity, the speedway fraternity, the drag racing fraternity, Motorcycle Australia doing their own thing. It, it's very fragmented as compared to the biggest fragmentation in football really is uh, amateurs and professionals. That's about it. And that's something that is particularly unique about motorsport, which is particularly challenging about motorsport because you have... Um, you know, the, uh, the sort of perception and the reality that many disciplines are very insular. And I'm not being critical of that because, we've, you know, some are just fighting to keep their particular part of a world going or part of a sporting world going. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it, it's also driven very heavily by volunteers. Um, we don't get, as a sport, um, the sort of money that a lot of those major sports of the ball sports get. So we're not able to put as much money into programs to be able to help every part. Of, this, of the sport. So I think the fragmentation, the different disciplines is challenging, but as can be seen with a Hall of Fame, if you actually sit down and say, this is good for motorsport, whether you're two-wheel, four-wheeled, off-road, circuit, it actually resonates. When I became CEO of CAMS, the message that I've been very consistent about when I talk to people is, is whatever you're talking about, is the decision you're questioning good for motorsport? And if, if the answer comes back that it's good for motorsport, then we should do it. And so what I say to all those very many disciplines, when they're oft, often pushing for their own particular issue, um, think about whether or not it's good for motorsport. And for example, safety. You know, there are some elements of a sport that may not be as safety conscious as we would like them to be. And they'll say, well, look, don't worry about us. We'll worry about ourselves. The reality is that if something happens in a discipline, it affects all of motorsport. And we don't want to be in a position where we're dealing with coronial inquests or government or WorkSafe or Oc Health and Safety when our own sport is not able to look after its own safety. So, and a perfect example of that was when we introduced the frontal head restraints. That was pushed back against by many people. Now I look back and I think we should have done it five years earlier. Um, and so sometimes we have to make the tough decisions, whether it's going to affect one discipline or all, but we come back to the fundamental principle. We believe this is good for motorsport, so therefore it should be done. So, You talk about the coronial inquests and that sort of thing, and what I found interesting was you were very quick after the coronial inquest uh, um, for the incident in Queensland Raceway, which isn't something that's under CAMS control. You were one of the first to, to make comment about that, and I guess that's one of the difficulties where we see fragmentation again with the uh, AASA. Yep. 
look, um, we need to make sure that sport is safe. Whether it's run under cams or any other, anyone else, what we do say is we feel that we've got the best standards in the world not just in Australia, but in the world. And we're, of course, directly connected to the FIA. So from my point of view, um, what we say to governments, what we say to tracks, what we say to competitors, you can make the choices to where you want to race. But ultimately, we're the ones that have made the sport safe for more than 60 years. We're going to be here in 60 years' time, and we're not going to cut and run at the first chance if things get a bit, too, get a bit hot. And we've heard about some of these other sanctioning bodies. Uh, at the first hint of real pressure, they've backed away and they've walked away from particular disciplines and we're not going to do that. So what we say is we'd much rather control the sport rather than have outsiders control the sport, whether it's government, whether it's government departments. So we need to stay ahead of the curve and where, where necessary we will work with every track and every competitor and every discipline and every state to make sure the sport is safe. Right now as we speak, every state premier Every state sports minister has received correspondence from CAMS about regulation of motorsport. So we'll continue to apply what we believe to be world's best practice. And again, if we feel that there's something that's not being done that should be done, we may not be vocal up front because sometimes that can be not good for the sport, but we are working behind the scenes every day, uh, whether it's dealing with government departments or governments or councils, um, to make sure that. Um, we make this a safe, sustainable sport because if we don't, um, it'll be impacted in the long run. That's all we have time for this week on Inside Motorsport. Until next time around, keep smiling and bye for now. Inside Motorsport is produced by Thunder Media for the Community Radio Network.